last breath, praise His holy name. We're not going to let the rocks cry out. Come on, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for giving us the very breath. We've borrowed breath from you, God. Lord, we continue to borrow your breath. We thank you as we walk this planet, God. We've borrowed your breath. We thank you that we've got supernatural breath from the Holy Spirit. We set apart this year. We set apart our minds and our our mission. We set apart our energies to you, God. We don't do battle in our own strength on our own behalf. Lord, you breathe into us. You put wind in our sails. You said in Colossians, we, we are energized by your spirit and we work according to your energy. Lord, we thank you, God, that Lord, that going into this year, today we've just symbolized and set apart, sanctified and separated, Lord, our year to you. We just, we just do it today. We thank you that this year, there's so many things you're going to do. And Lord, we know there's going to be twists and turns and ups and downs, but you're in all of it. And we've put it in your hands today. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give him one more shout of praise before you grab your seats. Look at somebody as you grab your seat and say, keep breathing. In Jesus' name, it is good to be in the house 2020, 12 o'clock. What's up? Man, I am so pumped about just what God's doing, what God's breathing on and what he's saying. And uh, we've seen miracles already today. Uh, how many of you know we're starting our Pray First initiative today? So I don't know if you've got these yet, but these are our connection area or coming into the auditorium. This is a little 10-day Pray First manual. It kind of has a scripture for each day. It's got an area for focus and Devo and what God's saying to you. And so grab one of these, follow along. Let's get in unity together, pray in prayer and fasting. And then tomorrow morning, all week, for, for, from, from now all the way till the 15th, we have morning prayer, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday. Monday through Friday is at 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. sharp. So you're welcome to come. Please come be a part of that. Bring your book. We, what we do, we got about a 10-minute Devo. That's it. And then we have um, the rest of the time, another 30-plus minutes of just music playing throughout the building, and people just walk around the whole building, go in different corners, pray, pray on their own, whatever they like. And whatever you like to do, just hearing God and then coming back together at the end and praying that day out and going forward. And we do that this whole week. We do it all the way to the 15th. And then Saturday is 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And so a little bit different time frame on Saturday. But join us. How many know it's good to pray and fast? Come on, somebody. Jesus said, not if you pray and fast, but when you pray and fast, right? And so prayer is so powerful because it connects us to God. But fasting is so powerful because it disconnects us from the world. Yeah. Two of you. It's awesome. <laughs> How many of you know we need to be disconnected from the world sometimes? Listen, I love, I love to eat. I love food. I love, you know, I love entertainment. I love all that stuff. I mean, I can eat, I can eat my weight in croissants, somebody. Come on, I can do that. You know, but, but the reality is sometimes we've got to turn down the plate. We've got to turn down the TV. We've got to turn down the social media. We've got to turn down all the noise and disconnect a little bit from the world, which is fasting. And then God fills that space as we pray and connect to him. And so I promise you, if you'll join in this, you, can't, you might not be able to come to the morning prayer times. I get it. We will keep it sharp to one hour so you can get to your, to your work and to your jobs or whatever, families and everything you need to do. Um, but if you can't, then just get the book and let's be in unity around what we're praying for and uh, walk with us in that. So that starts tomorrow morning. And then January the 15th, we have a big culmination of our fast um, over at City Hills Church. All of our church and then about three or four churches are going to come together. We do it every year, um, but this year we're doing it at City Hills. And um, it's going to be a powerful uh, night of worship and, and churches unifying around the mission of God in our city. And so, I mean, you know, it's cool to get churches together like that in the past 
power of God that happens in that. And so I think it's going to thank you. That's going to be an awesome, an awesome thing. Let's jump into the word. And uh, it's 2020. I think it's a new decade. Everybody's saying it's not the new decade yet, but I think it is a new decade. I'm going on that. I'm walking into a new decade. And um, I think that uh, God's got some very powerful things in store for our church, for you, for your family. How many of you have made resolutions so far? Any resolution makers out there? Come on, several lists. How many of you uh, won't raise your hand no matter what I ask you? Yeah, there's a couple of you. That's good. How, how many of you know that I think 46% of Americans make resolutions and only 8% keep them? Come on, 8%. And so, and then here's another stat. For those of you that have made resolutions, after the first week of the year is out, 40% have already broken it. So 40% of you that have made them are already down for the count. So it's, it's over. I'm here to encourage you. Okay, great. Woo! Um, Here's why I think it's so hard to keep resolutions and some of the problems with that. We've got these giant lists of resolutions and we want God to do 50 things. We want to change everything about us. And there's so many things that we have. And it's like, really, that's just so much. And, and a lot of times, here's another reason it's hard to keep. We've got a lot of good intentions, but not God intentions. And so we can have all the good intentions, but that's different than what God has for us and the God intentions. And so we're starting a new series today called What the Health? You can see it on the back here. It's, don't hashtag it. You could get in trouble. Um, but just really talking about the health of our soul. Like, what, how is your soul healthy? The Bible talks about in Genesis 2 that God breathed into Adam. He was, he was dirt, and he became a living soul. Uh, we need God to breathe into our soul. And so we're looking at that today, some very simple thoughts today. But then the rest of the series, we're going to look at uh, 3 John 2, where John, the apostle, prays, Beloved, I wish that you were in health and would prosper as your soul prospers. There's a lot that has to do with our soul. And so we're going to look at soul prosperity. Today, I, I want to say this. I want to narrow everything down to just one thing. Like, I think you just need to get one thing narrowed down, like not 50 things. You don't need five things different this year. You don't need, uh, I wouldn't even say you don't need two things. Like there's a couple one thing scriptures I'm going to share with you. And then a couple one thing questions. And I just want you to ask yourself, like, what's one thing that God wants to do in my life this year? Does that make sense? I don't know what your word is for the year. I know sometimes everybody gets one word and that, and that type of thing. But the scriptures have a lot of one thing scriptures. And so I'm just going to very simply ask you four questions, pose four simple one thing questions to you and ask God to birth some stuff in your life, to do something in your life. I mean, a lot of times the good intentions we have, we come, it comes from our own energies and our own strength and we haven't heard God. And so, so if you have to initiate it, you have to sustain it. But if God initiates it, God is on the hook to sustain it, to provide for it, to bring it to pass. It says that he actually gives you the power and strength to complete the things he puts into your life. He brings to pass the things he starts. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. I do not want to initiate all of my own list this year. I need to hear God. Just like I told you, I was begging God for vision and direction and passion and just what do I say going into 2020? I had nothing. I was flat. I looked at my wife. I, I'll be honest. I said, I don't, I need vision from God. I don't, and I did all the things you're supposed to do. I study. I get into the word. I do all those things. I didn't have God breathing on some things in my heart. And I was in the sauna at my gym. Come on, somebody. Creativity is not convenient all the time, but it can be comfortable. <laughs> and I was hanging out and God spoke to me about the breath and being able to praise him, being renewed in my breath and having him breathe on some things. You need God to speak to you about some things in your life this year and not just from your own initiatives. Does that make sense? So number one, what one thing do you desire from God this year? What one thing? 
Like if you're in your prayer time, if you're fasting these next few days, what's the one thing that you really, you need God to do no matter what? God, I need you to move in this, in this way. David said it this way in Psalm 27, 4. He said, one thing I ask of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of God to gaze upon his beauty. David said, I need to be in God's presence. The one thing I need is to be amongst the family of God. I need this. David said, I need church. I need God's family. I need God's house. I need the anointing oil. I need corporate worship. I need prayer. I need God. God's presence. I need to be in the house of God. That's what this is. Church is not a mandate. It's medicine. It's medicine for my soul. Like, like David's saying, I need your presence, God. I need you to do some stuff inside of your presence for my life. What do you need God to do in his presence for you? Here, here's the, the cool thing about what we're doing like this today and every Sunday. You carry the personal presence of God everywhere you go. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You carry God's personal presence. But you do not carry God's manifest presence. And I believe that the Bible teaches as we come together as a body of believers full of faith and corporate worship and calling on God, there's something that God manifests of himself in that type of environment that ends up getting into our life and doing something supernatural. We don't go to church to go to church. This isn't cultural tradition. God manifests himself in the midst of this place. He's been doing it all day and he does it every week. Not that it can't be two or three or five in your home, but he shows up in the midst of multiple people. And so David's saying, I need God to do some things in his presence and in his house. Maybe for you, it's something in, in a salvation for someone. Maybe you're begging God to save your children or to change someone's heart. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you, maybe you really need God to change your marriage this year. Can, can, I, can I just be vulnerable and open to you? My wife, we've got an amazing counselor we go to. Can I tell you, it's okay for Christians to get help and counseling from people and get some outside advice. We were leaving the counselor's office the other day and he looked at me and he said, thank you for your courage to keep coming back. Come on, maybe the one thing you need, the one thing you need to desire is actual courage to speak up and ask for help and talk to somebody and be vulnerable and be real. And maybe it's courage you need to make a decision. I don't know. What's the one thing God's saying I need you to, to ask for in your life? Maybe it's an addiction that you've been fighting for years. Maybe you've gone in and out and you know that it's not God's best for you and you know you want to see change in your life, but you have things blocking or people blocking or different things and you really, this year is the year. God, remove every roadblock, remove every hindrance, remove every habit, remove everything I need to get free from this thing once and for all. Come on, I know there's things in our lives that God wants to set us free from. Maybe you need to trust God to bring you your person. God, you're going to give, give me my marriage, this year, my person this year, but God, until you do, I need you to be enough. I need you to be enough. Maybe that's your, your one thing you need to desire from God. Ask God, what do you need to desire? And how do you know desire is not enough? Come on, listen. We all have desire. You ever seen that guy at the gym? I've been working out for the last year. It's, it's good not to, to put the gym off until this week. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are back in the gym. It's been a year since you've seen it. And, uh, and, and so, so there's this guy and the gym's all crowded now. This dude in the gym, you ever seen the dude there that's been there every day, but his body has never changed? Same, not one bit of gains in the gym, nothing. Doesn't look different at all. Well, he's talking to everybody. I'm like, dude, you talk to, e shut up, we're at the gym. Work out. These one, these, some people at our, at our gym have this, it says non-social weightlifting club. I was like, I get it now. We're not here to talk. We're here to lift some weights. We're here to, you know, and, and so, so there's some things that, that desire is not enough. You also go from desire. You got to go from desire to design. So you might have desire, but now you need to ask God, God, give me a plan, an infrastructure, a design that it can actually happen. And then you got to go beyond design to the D word, di di discipline, discipline. 
We don't like that word in Christian world. We want to pray, shout hallelujah, and have it drop from heaven, somebody. Come on. And, and, and the reality is you can't discipline yourself enough. You need the power of God to breathe on you, to give you the strength and discipline to walk out what you're desiring. And so, and so just ask God to give you desire, to give you design, to give you discipline. What's the one thing this year, God, I need you to do this in my life? Number two, what one thing do you lack in your spiritual life? Not a list of 10. Not, not a big, huge list of two. What's one thing that you know that you lack taking steps forward in your spiritual walk with God right now? I, I, don't, I mean, the Holy Spirit's probably saying it to you right now. Holy Spirit's probably been talking to you about it for the last year. Probably six months. I don't know. The Holy Spirit, you know, you know what he's been telling you, that this one thing has been blocking you going deeper with me, you getting real with me. This one thing's been blocking you getting in the next level with me, in the next place with me. Come on, what's that one thing that you know is blocking your spiritual life? Jesus said it this way in Mark 10, 21. He talks to a guy. He says this, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I love that it says he loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack. Hey, 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 one thing. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. But the guy put his head down and walked away in shame. Now, now listen, don't build a doctrine out of this scripture. This is the only person that Jesus ever told this to go sell everything and give it to the poor. So we've got all these, you know, people that say you got to sell everything, and give to the poor. No, no, no. This is the only person Jesus ever told that to. And the reason was this guy thought he could do something to earn salvation. And so he comes to Jesus and say, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, oh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, which is impossible. We need Jesus, right? And so the guy goes, well, I've done that. I've obeyed. I've done it. I'm great. I'm perfect. I've done it. And Jesus is like, oh, okay. You think you're good outwardly? Okay, well, let me look into your heart. And he looks past his outward obedience, goes into his heart and says, oh, here's the one thing. Go sell everything you own and give it to the poor. He knew the one thing that was blocking him was his love of money. He knew the one thing that was blocking him was his trust in riches. So, so what I would ask you is, what's the one thing God's been putting his finger on in your life that you know and that he knows is blocking you from this next level, this next area? And I love that Jesus did it this way. It says, Jesus loved him and then said some tough stuff. Come on, you and I need people in our life that will give us godly, loving encouragement. Some of you have sins and habits in your life that you easily dip back into because you don't have any accountability. Maybe the, maybe the one thing for you that's really going to change your life this year is, a, is actual accountability, like, like being open to accountability. And you, can I say something? Accountability is not forced upon you. It has to be invited by you. I've been going to the gym, like I said, packed out, looking around. There's some people in there who haven't been to the gym in 15 years wearing spandex they should not wear. I'm like, we need some spandex police up in this gym. Sirens need to go off. And, and, and you know what I think when I see it? I think, who do they have in their life that let them out of the house like that? Who, who won't tell them? They have not one friend, not a spouse, not a person. And, you know, the other day, there's a guy in there. You ever see the people working out with the, the equipment and using the equipment all wrong, all crazy? Like, and, you know, I just, I don't want to look stupid in public, okay? Unless I do it intentionally, right? So, and so there's a guy. So I actually read the label on the machinery to actually figure out where I'm supposed to stand, how I'm supposed to use it, because I want to look dumb in front of you. And so I read it. Well, there's a guy the other day. He's in there. This is like last week. He's on the machine. It's the leg press machine. It's where you, it's, you sit upright in, the, in a little chair, and then you push this platform out, and you 
put weights on the side here, and you, as you push the weights, the weights go up. So for, this is a visual for those of you who've never been in a gym. And so, I'm just kidding. Sorry, that was wrong. It was a dick. I shouldn't have said that. And so, and so, and so he, you sit on that, and you push the weights out. This guy is actually sitting on the sled or sitting on the weight bench like this with his legs out. He's got his feet on the weights, and he's going like this. Pushing the weights as hard as he can, flying them out into the air, and then catching them with his legs. I'm on the I'm on the treadmill watching this dude. I'm like, dude, you're about to snap your knees, like you're about to tear your ligaments. What are you? Oh my gosh! And I and I don't I don't know. He's in it. Like he's I mean the fa- he's in. I'm like, what? I can't. Can I say something? He's a stranger. So I look over at the paid staff. They're all staring at him. They're not saying anything. I'm like, what are you doing? Say something to the guy. He's going to kill himself. The Holy Spirit said this to me. You need people in your life that aren't paid to be there. You need people in your life that are, that are willing to give you love and direction. And go, dude, what are you doing? You're going to snap your legs. You're going to break your life. Quit doing that. Maybe this year's the year that you actually invite your spouse to be able to speak into your life. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know it's not easy. Maybe this is the that you actually listen to a friend or you invite somebody, not someone paid to be there, not your boss, not your co, not, no, someone that you go to and say, I'm giving you access to my life and I'm being accountable to the wisdom and direction you have. I promise you that will change some of your 2020. It'll change some of your d- decade and some of your direction of your entire life if you actually get some accountability. Maybe that's what you need. What are you lacking spiritually? What's the one thing that you're lacking that God wants to do and, and, and he wants to put into your life? Number three, what one thing do you need to let go of? I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute because the Holy Spirit's good at filling blank spaces. Right now, what's, what, what's the Holy Spirit saying? What one thing do you need to actually let go of? What, what bitterness are you gripping? What hurt? What wound? I had someone after second service when I said this. He came up to me. He said, I didn't have a father. He goes, my father left me. He paid child support for three months. It was $90 a month. He left after he paid three times and, and ran out of my mother and I. We could barely eat. He said, he said, all of the issues that I've been trying to work through throughout the years. He's in his late 50s, about 60. He said, he said, I don't know what to do. I, I've wondered if I should prosecute, get a lawyer. I wondered if I should go after him for the child support when I was a child. He goes, I've always held on to it for my mother's sake. He goes, you know, my mother's dead and gone. What, what is it that you're holding on to? You know, Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.13. He goes, he goes, not that I've apprehended, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, this one thing I do. And then he said two things, letting go of what's behind and pressing on towards what's ahead. Because letting go and pressing on are connected. They're actually one thing. And you can never go into tomorrow dragging your past. Some of you are dragging stuff from yesterday into this moment today, and you think you're going to go into 2020 carrying bitterness and carrying unforgiveness or carrying shame or carrying where you messed up. What do you need to let go of? Maybe you need to let go of your own mistake, the own thing that you've been holding over your own head. Maybe you need to let go of what they did or what they said. Come on, what do you need to let go of? I think so, so often the enemy uses bitterness because it says it actually gets a root in us and then springs up and defiles many. That's why bitterness is so dangerous because it doesn't just destroy you, it defiles many around you. 
The reason you think no one likes you is because you have it written across your face. And when you show up, you think they don't like you. So they read that, that we don't like you because you're carrying things. And I'm just asking you, like, like you've got to let go. You've got to focus. I mean, what did Paul have to let go of? Paul said, this one thing I do, let go of the past. What did he have to let go of? Think of it. He killed Stephen. He was killing men and women, per persecuting the church. I mean, the pain that he had had, self-regret, the religion that he had been in, the, the, the pain of religion and the persecution he had been in, the pain of being abandoned by his, a whole nation of his brotherhood. I mean, all the Jews abandoned him and wanted to kill him. Can you imagine that kind of pain? His family, his nation, they all thought he had evil intent now that he was preaching the gospel. I mean, the man was shipwrecked and hurt and abused and maligned and, and just the pain of having to, to walk through all He said, I got to let go of this stuff. I mean, the Bible says he was stoned often, not medicinally, not recreationally, <laughs> physically. <laughs> Some of y'all just got that. It's all right. <laughs> I got, yeah. I, so don't use that as a verse. Like, man, Paul was stoned often. <laughs> Some of y'all going to take that as, as scripture. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got one teenager that thinks that when Moses was at the burning bush that he was, it was marijuana. I'm like, no, the burning bush was not marijuana, son. Okay. That's why we're in counseling. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can we be real? Are we family? Uh, God is good. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I just, what, what do you need to let go of? You, you will never let go and, and look forward if you can't actually release what, what's been in your hand or what you've been holding on to. I've told the story. I went out to JH Ranch with my son Jude right here on the front row. We had to, we had to climb an 80 foot telephone pole. We were strapped in, had to come to the top of this telephone pole, get on the top. Steve's been on the telephone pole and some of his family. Come on. And, 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 and you got to, you, you have to get the last step. And I was 40 pounds heavier at this time. Okay, somebody, this is why I lost weight, because I looked like an idiot in front of all the dads and sons, and I couldn't get to the top of some of these obstacles. I get to the top. How many know you can't not do it when your sons are at the bottom and all the other dads that just went? Like, okay, what a dad moment. Sorry, son. Couldn't make it like the other dads. You know what I mean? You're not, I'm not doing it. You know, so I got this competition. I get to the top. You get one leg up on top of the pole, 80 feet in the air. You're holding the pole, and the pole's shaking like this. And you've got to get your other leg up to the top of the, of the pole as you're holding the bottom of the pole. I, could, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get my other leg up. And then one dad below is like, just bend your knees. I'm like, oh, is that the trick? Thanks. <laughs> I'm like, you stinking idiot. I'm about to die up here. Bend my knees. And I, finally, I get to the top of the pole. And I'm on it. And there's only one way off the pole without actually giving up. It's this obstacle. And then there's a, a trapeze bar about seven feet out and kind of up that you have to jump to. I think it's seven feet. Was it seven feet, Steve? Yeah, I remember that. It's a deadly seven. Seven feet to that bar. And, and here's the thing. You, can, you could like just flop off and give up. I'm not doing that with everybody. Like, or, or you can actually jump. And the only way to get forward is to focus on that bar and to leap and have a risk of faith and to reach out and grab that bar. Here's what God's saying to some of you. The only way you're actually going to be able to go forward into 2020 is to let go, to actually take a risk of faith and get off of that thing you've been holding on to that's been supporting you. Some of you have been holding on to it for so long, it's time to let it go. One of the most, biggest problems in relationships is holding on to stuff from the past. We've got to let go. What does God want you to let go of this year? And here's the last thought. What, what one promise do you need to claim this year? What's one promise from God that God has spoken to you? I mean, the, the scriptures, the Bible has thousands of promises. I think there's over 7,000 direct promises in the Bible to us. 
But what's one promise? Come on, forget all the things you want to see, all the different distractions. There's so many, I'm sure, but what's the one promise that God's made to you that you can't quit on, that you feel like you haven't seen, that you don't know if it's going to happen? What's one promise that you need to claim in God this year? Like, God, I'm believing this. I think about David when it comes to promises. Many of us get into dysfunction because we get a promise from God, we face problems, and then create our own plan. The reason that it hasn't happened yet is because those were just seeds in the ground planted so that they could actually come up as a harvest in 2020. All the hell you went through and all the things you faced in 2019, those were all things planted in the ground to bring a harvest of what God promised in the next year. You don't see it yet because it was in the ground. But many of us, while it's in the ground, we begin to make our own plan, right? Here's King David, 13 years old, 16 years old, somewhere in between. And the the prophet Samuel shows up at his house because he's going to anoint one of the boys king. He's looking for the next king. David's called to be king, has a promise from God to be king. By the way, can I tell you that you have a promise from God to be a king and to be a lord in the earth? You do. Why is God called, why is Jesus called king of kings? Because you're a king. Why is he called lord of lords? Because you're a lord. You're called to lord over some stuff and to lead some stuff. and direct. He is not king over a bunch of defeated kids. He's not lord over a bunch of losers. He is king of kings and lord of lords. That's you and I. And you've been given these promises. David was given a promise. And now Samuel shows up to his house, looks at all the kids, looks at the best looking. God goes, no, it's not that one. Looks at the most gifted. God goes, no, it's not that one. Looks at the most talented. God goes, no, it's not that one. And then, and then Samuel says, you got any other kids, Jesse? And he goes, well, yeah, by the way, actually, I've got one. But he's kind of lost his mind and he sings the sheep out on the mountainside. <laughs> and he's a little bit runty. Samuel says, bring him in. They bring him in, and Samuel says, that's the one. And God says this, you look at the outward appearance, man does, but God, I look at the heart. You've been called to be king. Aren't you glad that we don't have to look the part, that God creates the part on the inside of us? It's not about looking the part. And so here's David. He gets this great promise. You're going to be king. What happens next? All hell breaks out in his life. Some of y'all wonder why all hell's broken out in your life because you're actually anointed to do something great for God. You're actually anointed to be king. You're actually called by God. That's why all of the enemy hates you and wants to come after you. So now David is anointed to be king. He's got the promise of God. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm going to be king. And then Saul begins to try to kill him. How do you know it's bad when the current king's trying to kill you? Saul throws spears at him, comes after him. David comes up with his own plan. Now he's got the promise to be king. He decides to come up with his own plan. And he says this, you know what? I'm going to go hide amongst the Philistines, amongst God's enemies, and hide out there. He goes and he does it, and he realizes this was a bad plan. (laughs) This is stupid. Anybody ever thought that you were making your own plan and got deeper into your dysfunction and thought, this is dumb? Come on. I mean, all of us. David's in that boat. And then David goes, well, you know what? I'm going to come up with another plan that will help me get out of this plan. I'm going to act insane and drool down myself and pretend like I've lost my mind and maybe the enemy won't mess with me. He says, this was a worse plan. <laughs> how, how many of you have ever got so deep into your own dysfunction, you, all you could do is drool down your face? Some of y'all are having flashbacks to that bar scene. I get it. I'm not just talking about that. Like, I'm just talking about like into your own plan. You've got a promise from God, but you're getting deeper into dysfunction and desperation, and you don't even know what to do. And some of you here go, well, I've never drooled down my face. Maybe not. But how many of you have made insane decisions because of the intimidation from the enemy? How many of you have acted insanely with your life and your habits and your patterns because the enemy has whispered and spoken and intimidated in ways? 
How, how many of you are drooling in the midst of something you should be defeating? David's walking amongst his enemies, the enemies of God, those that he's called to defeat. He's anointed king, and he's drooling madly and insane, acting insane, when he should be standing up and defeating the thing that's been intimidating him. And I just, I just sent me here today to say, you know, some of you have been drooling amongst things he's given you strength and power to defeat. And say, oh, I, I never do that. Oh, yeah, what about when you say, well, I'm just going to blow off some steam. Come on, it's just one more night. I've had a stressful week. I deserve it. I'm just going to look at that, click on that one more time. Come on, no, won't hurt anybody. Come on, enemy intimidating. Just going to drool, just, just going to act insane. I'm just going to go to lunch with her. Just going to take her to lunch. My spouse really hadn't been treating me kind, doesn't really appreciate it. It's just business. It's just a business lunch. Insane. Just going to, just going to hook up one more time. It doesn't really mean anything. I just not. Just going to spend a little bit more on the credit card. You know what? We'll clean it up next year. Just going to eat the hamburger once more because we'll start the diet on Monday. Come on, we get deeper into dysfunction when we're called to defeat some things and not give in to the intimidation that the enemy whispers into our minds. And I just want to believe with you today, what, what promise do you need to cling to and claim? Here's what David did. This is so good. In the middle of his dysfunction and drooling, come on, in the middle of all these moments of fear and wonder and worry, he writes this psalm. It's Psalm 56, 9. He says this, when I cry out to you. Now get this. This is the moment he's drooling and acting insane. He writes, when I cry out to you, God, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. He says this, I don't get a lot of things. I don't understand why I had this twist and this turn. I don't get this struggle. I don't get why I'm facing this dysfunction fully. I don't understand why I've been given a promise, but I'm facing problems and the king's trying to kill me. But this one thing I know, God is for me and my enemies will have to flee because God is with me in 2020 and God is with me in this decade and God is with me with his promises. I think it's so important. Would you stand to your feet? I think it's so important right now that whatever God has promised you, that you begin to cling to that promise instead of creating your own plan. Don't go off track. Don't go off script. If God has said it, then wait for it. If God has spoken it, then, then slow down and believe his word, even if you don't see it yet. David goes on to say this in verse 10. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. David's saying, I will praise his promise. I will praise the promise of God. I will claim the promise of God. I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm holding to your word, God. And if you speak it and you initiate it, you've got to sustain it, oh God. Here's some, here's some promises I just wrote down for you. Just grab a hold of some of these this year. Stop drooling and start defeating. God says this, he will meet every need you have from his glorious riches. You will not be tempted beyond what you, are, you can bear, but you will have a way out if you're tempted. God will forgive you of all your sin. He will remove the weight of your past and forgive all of your sins. He will make everything work together for good for those that love him and are called to his purpose. If you feel alone, he won't leave you or forsake you. He's a very present help in time of need and trouble. He gives strength to the weary. He's got power for the weak. He's here to guide you and give you direction. He's got peace beyond your understanding. He'll give you power to defeat Satan. Anytime you resist the enemy, he has to flee in seven ways. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You're more than a conqueror. You have eternal life in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I'm pumped up about 2020. I'm just going to pray with you right now. I don't, I don't know. God said, 
to me, for me to pray these three things. Like some of you need God to breathe on your desire again. Some of you just been going through the motions. It's a new year, but you're like, God, I need, I need energy. I need vision. I need passion. Like you need desire. That's purpose. God, you, God wants to des- put desire and purpose back into you today. And then some of you need design. Some of you have desire, but you actually need a God design and infrastructure to facilitate that desire. And some of you need d- discipline and God's power to help you continue to walk it out day after day. I want to pray for that. And then I want to pray for those of you that are here today. The greatest one thing decision you can make is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you have have known church. You've known religion. You've known rules. You've known regulations. You've known denomination. But you've never really known Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as as your friend, as your leader, as your your Lord. Like you've never surrendered. And, and, And here's what the Bible says. It's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. Thank you for dying on that tree and taking all my sin, shame, and guilt and giving me a brand new life. That's it. And the enemy would tell you, you've got to clean yourself up. You've got to quit sinning. You've got to not do anything wrong. You've got to be worthy of God's love. No, you don't. That's the biggest lie. You can't do any of that. The only thing we can do is surrender. You know, sons are born, not made. Like it's, you don't, you don't make, as a son or daughter of God, you don't behave your way into sonship. You're born into sonship. And so all you have to do today, if you need that, the greatest start to 2020 is just saying, God, I give you control. I want to surrender. I'm going to pray for that. I'm not going to embarrass anybody or bring you up here or anything like that. I'm just going to pray with our heads bowed and eyes closed. And if you need to make a fresh start with God today, the Bible says, make Jesus your Lord. Like, ask him to be your Lord. You get a fresh start in God. I want to pray that. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for a new decade. Thank you for fresh mercy every day. Thank you for the the breath of God, the anointing. Holy Spirit, thank you for being on this planet with us. Thank you that we get borrowed breath from heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us everything. And we look to you. You feed us and you open your hand and satisfy every living thing. Lord, I pray that you would breathe on our desire and our discipline and our design today. If you're in this place, no one looking around, if you say, I need one of those three, three, three things. I need God to give me some new passion and new purpose, desire. I need, I need design or I need discipline. Would you put your hand up to me? Pray for me, Jamie. I need, I need that in my life. Come on, hands across this place. Father, you see our hands. You know the desires we have. You know the disciplines we need. You know the design and the habits and the structures we need in our life. You know the accountability we need. Well, thank you for connect groups and, and serve teams and a great church that's full of life and passion. Lord, I pray that someone would reach out today to someone around them and just be the answer to their own prayer. I thank you, Father. I ask you to breathe on every desire, every design, and every bit of discipline in this place. Every hand that went up, I pray you do it, God. You do it and you sustain it in Jesus' name. No one looking around. One more second. If you're here and you say, I need a fresh start in God, that's the, that's the greatest one thing. That starts every other, every else, everything else. That starts everything. That's the one thing. I need, I need Jesus. I need you to be my Savior and my Lord. I'm ready to surrender. On three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up to me. Nothing complicated about it. No magic in it. It's called faith. It's just by your heart right now, just saying, God, I need you. If that's you, if you know you need a fresh start with God going into 2020, if you're ready to make Jesus your Savior, to surrender to him, would you put your hand up to me on three? One, two, three. Just put your hand up to me right now. Let me pray for you. Come on, anybody in here, I'm ready to make a fresh start in this year. Come on, God bless you, young lady. God bless you. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? Hold it up high so I can pray for you. Include me. Thank you. Thank you, young lady. Come on, church. People saying yes to the one thing that matters most. Yes to eternity. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. For those of you that put your hand up, just pray this prayer with me. 
Again, it's not magic words. It's just your heart asking God to be your leader and your Lord. And then if you didn't put your hand up but need to, put your heart up right now with me in this prayer. I'm going to pray out loud. We're all going to pray together today. We're going to help each other out. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I surrender my life. Thank you for taking all my sin, all my shame, and all my guilt and putting it on that tree. Thank you for raising from the dead. I give you my life for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's praise God one more second. What an awesome, I'm so proud of those of you that put your hand up for the one thing, the greatest thing, Jesus Christ.